This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a woman-owned and managed business. Think financial planning is out of your reach? Think again. Whether you've just graduated college, are about to walk down the aisle, looking to buy your first home, or need help getting out of debt, Rooted Planning Group is ready to help you achieve your goals. Visit rootedpg.com and get started on a brighter financial future. Hello and welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today we're talking about getting the F over perfectionism because we are imperfect beings and we might as well embrace that. Our guest is back from our last episode on codependence. She's a licensed therapist, a leading expert on building an authentic life and overcoming perfectionism. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Dr. Manije Bodurian Turner. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. And we're having this conversation in early August, shortly after Simone Biles took herself out of competition. And today we have the announcement that she is going back to compete. And I applaud both of those decisions. And by no means am I suggesting that Simone Biles is a perfectionist, but we see her as perfect. We see her as perfect in her sport and how she's handled herself, and for her to show her human side and put her mental and physical health above the Olympics really caused a reaction, especially in some very imperfect people, especially men, and especially a certain tennis player. I don't know his name, but I, you know, he had some sort of lecture to give about her behavior, and then he ended up like throwing a racket and breaking a racket and trying to like pull down the judge's chair or something like that. Anyway, he's a dick. But it's, it's interesting to me to see how that reflection of perfect being shown as its human side really kind of you know, caused a few ruffled feathers. So not necessarily perfectionism, but the idea of perfect, I think, needs to be kind of shot down. It did make waves because I think there's still a very rigid core narratives we have around us even though even though some of us are living our lives authentically and our own truth mm-hmm. we have to really acknowledge that there are still work we have to do i think yes. that's what this is all spoke about there's which it also shouldn't surprise us right because we also preach about how we're always a work in progress mm-hmm. uh, so obviously i honor that but at the same time i think it's disappointing to see we have so much work to do mm-hmm. around this idea that people need to be i think there is yes people need to be perfect mm-hmm. in order to be successful and that right. people have to always perform never need a break never again need to pause. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as you were just sharing a little bit about uh, Simone, um, I'm going to butcher her last name. So if, if it's okay, I can talk, refer to her like she's my friend. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just so over my head over here. Uh, but I, it, it made me think of, I'm sure you, you read this book, Carol Dweck, Mindset. Her, the book of her is called Mindset. And the whole book is about fixed versus growth mindset. And what's Mm. so interesting about her book, every chapter, she kind of looks at parenting and business. And one of the chapters are, is, is um, dedicated to sports 
mm-hmm. and talks about how there is this, you know, false idea in our society that successful sports uh, athletes like Michael Jordan get to where they are effortlessly and how much we want to idolize people's progress mm-hmm. to be innate um, you know, gifted people versus the reality is, is that not only successful athletes work really hard, they may also need break or they may also be burned out. Right. And we are seeing that more and more, but I think it's one is the Olympics. And so you have like the, um, America Patriots, you know, that really think this means something. Mm-hmm. And two, I think she's a woman, She's a woman of color, so she becomes an easier target to spew your anger toward, which is irritating. But it's it's that projection of how this somehow relates to you, this other person somehow relates to you, and that you have any right to judge. She is a human being who has gone above and beyond multiple times And she found herself in a situation that could have been very harmful to her physically and was smart enough to say, nope, going to take a break, going to take a breather. And we should all learn from that. And we should all just be able to kind of say, I need a break. Yes. Yes. I think that's why what she does is so important is what's modeling it to us that it's okay to rest. It's okay to take a break. When you mention people projecting and judging her, reminded me um, there are two psychologists, uh, Dr. Paul Hewitt and Dr. Gordon. Forgive me, I'm, I'm not going to be able to remember <laughs> his name right now. And they studied perfectionism. And I speak about their models all the time. You think I, I know it by now, but there's it's an Monday, imperfection. So, exactly. <laughs> there's an imperfection, right? I have so many of them. Just, just wait. Um, and, and the thing is, in their model of perfectionism, they said that there's a self-oriented perfectionism where all our perfectionistic um, expectations are directed at us, meaning I expect myself to be perfect, but I'm much nicer to you, which is very classic, right? We're right. a lot more flexible, kind, gentle with other people, but we're very hard on ourselves. That's the self-oriented perfectionism. Then they also identified another category, which can you know coexist or exist independently. It's called other-oriented perfectionism, where we expect other people to be perfect. And mm-hmm. I think, again, we see it with people who are on the spotlight, whether it's through movies, um, art, music, however you have become. And let's actually make this more relatable. Let's say that in your community, you are an active participant, whether you're active participant in the PTA to, let's say, you know, you are very active in your ethnic community or your church. And let's just say that, again, you are known in the hundred people that are, mm-hmm. that are around you. And I think as soon as somebody is perceived as someone that we can look up to, uh, we admire, we are right away, I think, fall into that other-oriented perfectionism where we say they have to be perfect. Right. They need to be like just grandiose. <laughs> perfect. And I think that we see that a lot with parents and their children when they have a child that excels, whether it's in sport or school or an art that they really put that pressure on. And I think we might even be able to say Britney Spears is a pretty good example of that. 
mm-hmm. and what we're learning about her father and the things that he said to her. So it's it's just interesting to me to see how it's not just about us wanting to be perfect. It's how we interact with people we think are perfect and are just ready to tear them down when they show their human side. And yes. it, that's, that's gotta, gotta stop. And I, I know this is going to sound maybe, you know, cliche, but I also think one of the reasons we're in this, we're in this situation is because we don't deal with our own imperfections. Right. Because this, and this is where I, I want to acknowledge it may sound a little, you know, self-lovey and, and, you know, <laughs> self-helpy book, but it's, it's true, right? That the more I love myself, the more I'm at peace with myself, then I'm going to be at peace with everyone around me. Mm-hmm. So I do think that we tend to, again, project, judge, um, and have a hard time accepting other people's need for break, need for rest, because I haven't made peace with my own need for mm-hmm. rest and peace. So at the end of the day, it all stemming from our individual inner dilemmas and our own conflict with our own imperfections right. and shortcomings and, and flaws that we become so judgmental of other people. Right. And accepting yourself and all of your flaws and all the ways that you want to improve, that's almost an easy thing to do, really. You just have to have a little compassion for yourself. We can't all be the best at everything all the time, and that's okay. You know, if you're trying your hardest, that that's an A for effort and you get a round of applause and that's all anybody is ever asking is just do your best, the best that you can in that moment. And I think along with that, one of the, I, I remember reading this just a couple of years ago. Um, and I don't know if there's any meaning to the time in my life. I read this because I just became a mother at the time. And um, one of the things, um, forgive me, I, I might've mentioned in our last time we talked, but one of the things people ask me is if, you know, perfectionism is something I still, I, I dealt with it a lot in my adolescence when I moved to the United States with my family or in my 20s and people assume it's all behind me. And I always say, no, perfectionism will show up anytime you are trying out something new for the first mm-hmm. time or trying something that really you care about, like such as becoming a parent for the first time. And I was reading the statement in a blog that said, sometimes your best is not going to be enough. Right. And it was a rude awakening for me because if I may give a little TMI, which was <laughs> I was the perfect place for that. Bring okay, it. <laughs> great. Because I was trying to breastfeed and there was also that mom comparison shaming that like, you know, you got to breastfeed, you got to breastfeed and you have all these girlfriends who breastfeed for the next five years of their life. Right. So you're like, oh my God, I can't even do it for five days. Um, and I was trying my best by taking healthy supplements and drinking lots of water or any other thing that they recommend you do. And my best was not enough. I could not provide breast milk the whole time. I had to supplement uh, or complement with the formula, which is all seems really funny right now. My daughter's almost five and I laugh at these (laughs) things. What a first world problems. But I think that was one of the most important things that I also wanted to share, you know, in this conversation, like, yes, we need to do our best, but sometimes also have to come to that, like, my best is not going to be enough, because I feel like there's also that false promise, like, if you just do your best, you'll succeed. Well, no, no, success (laughs) is not guaranteed. And that's the thing. You did your best, you did everything you could. 
And while it wasn't enough for the result you wanted, it was enough. You did everything you could. And unfortunately, there was a quote unquote failure. And that's the part that I think that we need to be okay with. You can you can do your damnedest. You can try everything. You can sacrifice everything. And it doesn't mean that you're going to succeed in that endeavor. Trust me, I know. And that's okay. There are no guarantees in life. And even putting forth everything you've got doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Doesn't mean you're going to be the best. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. And that's the part we have to be okay with. You know, I did everything I could. Didn't work out. All right, plan B or C or D or Z. Yes, yes. And that's part of the journey too. I do feel like that was that seems to be for me like a healthier healthier way to live life with perfectionism there is that set idea of how it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I think there's a saying like you, like you, you make plans and then life happens. Um, it's was, the best way to make God laugh. Make yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that's also the other thing maybe with Olympics, like you mentioned, I think there's also heightened emotions around, you know, with nationalism and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I think people have such rigid again plans of how it was supposed to be right and uh and maybe sometimes people were even turning on their tvs with good intentions of watching their favorite athletes um you know reenact some past victories or and re you know repeat past victories i i can imagine that not everybody was wanting her or other athletes to perform perfectly for for uh, mean reasons but I think again we get so caught up in how it's supposed to be versus meeting the moment where it's at and and then accepting it and moving along with it right well just to give some perspective according to goodtherapy.org perfectionism is often seen as a positive trait that increases your chance of success but it can lead to self-defeating thoughts or behavior that make it harder to achieve goals ironically It may also cause stress, anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. And I think that it was on an Oprah episode way back in the day that they had um, people who were hoarders or people that just kind of lived in chaos. And they had a, um, she had a therapist on and they explained that that's a side effect of perfectionism, that you will procrastinate or you just won't do something if you can't do it perfectly. So ironically, to have a perfectionist living in a hoarded house kind of doesn't make sense. But if you really break it down, if the only way you can do something is to do something perfectly or you, you can't allow yourself to do it, then that's like another side of perfectionism rather than just being an overachiever, which is how we might perceive a perfectionist to be. It's, it can really hobble you. It is. Everything you said is so on point. One of the things that maybe I want to start highlighting is how it's behind so many mental health issues. And that's how I also started to focus so much on perfectionism. I dealt with it myself, like I mentioned briefly, you know, coming to United States during my adolescence and some experiences I've had in my 20s. I dealt with my own need for perfectionism to feel a sense of belonging. But professionally, it also showed up in my life because people come to therapy 
uh, as you can imagine, like, oh, I'm ha- I'm having uh, relationship problems. I am, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm codependent. I don't know how to set my boundaries or I have severe anxiety. I, I have a lot of panic. I can't sleep. Very valid, very real mental health distress, emotional distress that people come in aware of and, and, you know, what we call like present with, Mm -hmm. but what ended up happening during the therapy sessions is that I start to notice so many of perfectionism to be with, to, to accompany ADHD, trauma, eating disorder, addiction, depression, anxiety, as, as you mentioned that article. So perfectionism is linked to mental health issues. And what's also misunderstood about perfectionism is that we think it's a compliment, like, Oh my God, you're such a perfectionist. I wish I was more like you. And it's so unhealthy to glorify the need for perfectionism. And I I've read uh, many different, obviously blogs and books on perfectionism. And I, I acknowledge that some people may be more comfortable with the language of like healthy perfectionism versus unhealthy. The way I see it and I speak about it is that it's there's no good perfectionism there is you know doing your best and then there is perfectionism because like you said perfectionism can be can be the reason why you plan everything for the rest of the year like you said we're in August and you might see a perfectionist who has every weekend from now Mm -hmm. on planned and every holiday decorations like Halloween already come out from their storage unit because they have taken the dust off like Yes, perfectionism can be that person who has 10 steps planned and very organized and very, very detailed. And then there's the other version where the pressure to be perfect is so paralyzing, Mm -hmm. where you can even move, uh, you delay decisions, you avoid confrontations, you're indecisive, you procrastinate. And those two are two different versions, all stemming from the same belief that one has to be perfect. Right. And I think a lot of control freaks are perfectionists. And, you know, there's also a setup for failure. When you only want to have the control and you only want to do things your way, and then something goes wrong, you know, then other people tend to be blamed because they didn't come in to help. Well, there was no room to help because the control freak just has to, you know, control. And what's so interesting. So sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say what is you're you're absolutely right, and it's again what we it's a trap and it's a vicious yes. cycle because the the more you try to see control, the more anxious you feel. But what's ironic is that we tend to again times that I have gotten lost in my need for control, I would do it because I want to feel calm and and secure mm-hmm. and grounded. Right? I, ultimately, I'm doing this not to feel more anxious, I'm doing it to feel less anxious. That's my initial reason. But what ends up happening is that the more I try to control everything, the more anxious I feel like, so right. it does not like it, it. That's where it's a vicious cycle. Cause the more anxious I feel, I'm like, okay, so I just have to be more perfect. I just have to control one more thing. And then I will feel confident and collected and put together and right. safe, but you don't. So yes, the, the control breeds anxiety. Completely. In my past life, I worked in Hollywood as an assistant. So you you had to kind of present as perfect. There was no no. You had to be a magician and turn things around. And no matter how detailed you were, no matter how you thought of everything that could possibly happen, 
there would always there would always be one more thing that kind of blew stuff up. So you had to learn to go with the flow. You had to learn to be prepared for anything and realize that even if, like I remember like setting this meeting with all of these really important people and everybody's schedule aligns. And so that took, I think, like probably two days to like really nail it down. And then your boss comes in and says, yeah, I've got to go to my kid's soccer game or something like that. And then you have to undo it. And this, these are like, you know, very high ups, you know, executives and all these other things. And you, you, you're fine because you're higher up on the totem pole. So you get to actually, you know, call the shots for the other assistants in, the, in that way. And I don't mean that like rudely. It's just like, hey, my boss said we can't do it then. So you, we've got to make this work. It's so hard because that's such a domino effect. And, but what are you going to do? Are you going to lose your marbles over that? It's out of your control. No matter how perfect you planned it, no matter how many things you did right, no matter how many favors you called in, it's still going to be undone. And that's like lesson one. So any hopes I had of being a perfectionist were completely shot down and killed like early on in my career because there's no way. You just have to be prepared. And that's the only way to kind of look like you know what you're doing is just be prepared and able to pivot and find the next solution. And, and that's, that's that. I think what, what worked for you is your awareness. And I'm afraid there are still like what we're seeing in the Olympics and what we are seeing in so many different work setting is that that's not what's being communicated. What's being communicated right. is you need to be perfect, but mind you, you're never going to get it right. Like you're never going to be perfect, but please keep trying. So it's like, what? And that's why I think a lot of people are under so much stress. And I think collectively we're suffering from emotional distress and burnout or exhaustion because even like, I think a conversation that came up uh, was for me during the summer, the pressure to be having the perfect summer pressure to have the perfect beach body, perfect family vacation, especially, you know, all the heartaches everyone has lived through one way Mm -hmm. or another during the pandemic, you know, feeds into that, you know, need to, you know, it was so painful. We need to find this very joyous experience and it needs to be incredibly, you know, gratifying and full of pleasure and dopamine release. (laughs) Um, um, So I think that's, I think there's still so many messages of, Perfect is unattainable, but still try to be perfect. Right. Like, right. What? Well, it's like all the Instagram filters, mm-hmm. you know? I was speaking, I mean, if it's okay to mention yeah. this, like uh, in a couple of weeks ago, there was on Bravo TV, a, a interview with the Kardashian family because their TV reality show ended after long, long, oh for many years. Yes. Um, and one of the saddest moments, and I watch, I, I, I use Instagram as my television. So I went right. through Instagram, saw a couple, <laughs> uh, a couple of the clips and some were entertaining as I think what they were meant to be. And, um, and one question they were asked was about their body image. And, um, and it was so heartbreaking to, to see the way that question was answered because the question 
don't remember it obviously verbatim, but the question came from a, an audience viewer that said that that if the family members thought their uh, body image, you know, the way they are showing up or have been showing up is setting a very unrealistic and unhealthy, you know, standards for women. And I thought that there could be some, you know, trick they could do to validate that question and obviously still hold their standards. And no, they did not. They simply, if you, again, look it up, uh, I watched it a couple of times because I was really shocked. They stood by their uh, routines and said, no, I think we're teaching people to be that they can be disciplined and work really hard and get this body. If they pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. But then Khloe Kardashian had an unfortunate photo released and that didn't show her in her best light. And she went on this rant about how it was body shaming and how it really hurt her and it made her depressed. And anyone would probably feel that way. The irony is all of their perfectly airbrushed, perfectly angled photos is what helped to create that moment for her. And it's it's so disappointing to have that reaction from them to just say, oh no, we're totally off the hook. And it's the same thing I had that kind of response to Demi Moore back when this is like forever ago because she was still having babies then. And she said that her body got better after every baby. I think what, how many children does she have? Three, four? Can't remember. Three, I think three. three. How do you think that affects women whose body changes after a birth, who doesn't have the money to pay for a trainer and a nutritionist and a plastic surgeon, I'm going to assume, mm-hmm. um, because we can see a little change in her figure, at least from the top half. Anyway, um, boob job. So if, if we can't be honest as women about the changes, and maybe you don't want to go into detail about stretch marks or breast location changes or things like that. And some people after one child, no big deal. Perfect. Back there. Talk to me after two or three or four. It's, it's different for every woman, but to kind of project that out there when you know that a lot of work went into it and it's not work that you can necessarily do on your own. If you have somebody cooking for you and somebody training you and all of that, it's setting this level of perfection that seems to be so easily attainable. If you're a millionaire, if you're just a stay-at-home mom who's budgeting with coupons with you know, two or three kids to manage, plus a household and everything else, you may not have time to fit in that Jane Fonda workout. You know what I mean? And it's so, I, I have such an issue with women like that. I really do. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I think we are coming from a place of pain when we, when we say these things, because the pain of comparing women to each other and mm-hmm. the pain of glorifying one type of body and saying that that is ideal that right. is what's valued and another type of body being labeled as unattractive and uh, unvalued is that the way uh, you know like less completely valid, discounted yeah discounted so i think that's where the problem is and co- again i think we we we're having this conversation from what you were saying about your 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 you know work setting of we we are asked to be perfect even though that's just the, that we're not going to reach perfection, whether it's perfect scheduling of appointment to perfect summer trips with family to perfect bodies. 
we really need to get to a point of like perfect Olympic performance. Like we really need to stop looking for uh perfection everywhere we go it reminds me um i'm probably one uh, literally one one person in this whole world probably didn't watch game of thrones uh, <laughs> you I might really, be <laughs> I, I really did not uh, i'm not making that up and but i still know on social media it showed up about this starbucks cup that was on one right <laughs> so but I, I think I, I love that. I, I sometimes think I want to like, you know, find that picture and print it and put it in my office to really talk about like embracing imperfections. Right. And, and, and for women who either because there are celebrities or other women, if, if your, you know, life or work specifically requires you to, you know, have a certain physical appearance, I think the problem is that we need to be more honest about all that goes into attaining certain body type. My, my biggest frustration is when people try to make something look effortless, right? That is the worst lie we can tell each other. Like, let's say I run, I, I, I write one day, let's manifesting this right one day <laughs> I write a New York bestseller book on perfectionism. Let's say, I never want to come out and say that it was effortless. I actually, I think we need to talk about like how hard things are and how right. many, you know, like work in progress things are. That's, I think the best way to get over, get over a need for perfectionism. We need to stop making, making things look effortless. Yes. And I wanted to ask when you were in your perfectionism, did you ever enjoy what you were doing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And because I was too preoccupied with what I have to do next. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it really is. And I think for people who have gone through that type of unhealthy mindset understands what it really means to like live in like I, and I, because it still gets triggered. That's why I, I still know very well what it looks like because it, I still get triggered where I either live in the past where I study everything I've done to make sure it was perfect and flawless. Mm -hmm. I didn't say the wrong thing. I didn't type the wrong thing, or I will go into the future and worry about what I can do next. So for example, if I'm not being mindful, uh, and hopefully this sets me up to be mindful <laughs> at the end of our talk today, my perfectionism will either study our talk and make sure did I say everything correctly? And obviously we'll highlight every mistake or something I mispronounced or the name of that psychologist who studied perfectionism, whose last name I couldn't remember, <laughs> you know, it will eat at me or it will think about, well, what could be the next thing you can do? So it's either lives in the past or the future. That's how I think that's how just perfectionism is. So I was never, never in the present moment enjoying. And that's really what I'm, 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 I'm really, really trying to do more of is not getting too hyper-focused on what I'm going to achieve, but focus on how I'm feeling about the things I want to achieve. Right. Because I think when we're trying to make something perfect, whether it's a dinner party or a holiday or a vacation, it takes you out of being present. It takes you out of actually tasting the food and feeling the atmosphere and enjoying the breeze. You, you just can't be there because you're worried about this little flaw or the bug that landed in the soup or what, you know, whatever, oh, not, yes. that, not that there should be soup on a vacation outdoors, which is what I was picturing. But anyway, um, it's, 
Or that what you what, what are you going to do next? Like what what appetizer can you serve next? Or what activity should we do next? You know, it's not enough that we were we are by the pool enjoying. Where should we go afternoon for for ice cream? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the kind of person that when I travel, I I just want to be there. There might be certain things that I want to see, but I don't want like a daily itinerary of what we're doing, what time we've got to leave, and this and that. It's like. No, I, I'm I'm not that travel buddy. It's like I just want to show up there, and we'll have like certain things that we might want to do, and we'll figure out when we're going to do them. And but outside of that, I'm on vacation. I just want to relax. I you know I'm getting the most out of my money by just not doing anything. And so I respect people. It's like I'm gonna you know like I went to Dublin. I didn't go to Ireland. I could have gotten on a train and gone up and down the country. No, I went to Dublin. Because I was there for five days. I had another friend that went for five days, all up and down. And you know what? I'm sure he had a great time. I was so happy in Dublin, <laughs> just spending those five days there. I got to know the guys at the coffee shop. You know, it was that's my kind of world. Same thing like when I travel to even a more exotic locale. I'm happy sitting on the beach or by the pool. And if there's something else to do, yeah, let's go swim with the dolphins. Let's figure that out you know, like one day, but, you know, I don't want to feel this pressure of having to set an alarm on my vacation to go conquer the country that we're in. It's just, I, I'm, I'm not that person to travel with. And I think those people end up having like a really good time and having a lot of great pictures to show, but I don't know how present they are in those moments because there's a schedule to keep. So that's the thing that would just kind of take me out of it. It's like, if I've got to keep looking at my watch mm. to figure out where I'm supposed to be next on my vacation, I think we're doing it wrong. Other people would disagree and I respect them, but it's, it, that's the kind of thing when I, when I see that it's that kind of control. I want this vacation to be perfect. This is how we're, you know, I've researched everything, mad respect for that. But to me, that's not fun. To me, it's just like, Let's just do our thing. Let's just show up and, you know, figure it out. I do think you have to ask yourself, how are you feeling when you're doing it? Because mm -hmm. if you, I, I would love to, you know, have that person that, you know, research every, you know, cool thing to do. <laughs> like, I actually would love it if, you know, if you, you're not that type of person, I, I, I think that, that you're, you're bringing such a great thing to the table. But I think at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, how are you feeling? And that's all that that's been my that's been my anchor for a while now, because if I am, you know, some days I can run five errands and I'm not feeling resentful. And then the next day I'm running the same five errands and I'm feeling very resentful, which means to me that that day what I needed wasn't to run that many errands, but other day it could be very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's because here's the thing people maybe sometimes get very uh, antsy about is like, you know, slow down, you know, rest. And they're like, I can't, that just feels uncomfortable. And that's okay. I think you just have to stay in alignment with yourself and mm -hmm. do what you are you know, if you're, if it, if you're happy, if you're genuinely happy, not fake, happy, toxic positivity, right? If you're genuinely happy going through five errands or going through five, you know, spots in a city you're visiting versus one, I think that's great because that speaks to your personality and, or your, your need for stimulus and so forth. I think it just has to come back to like, are you genuinely happy? Because 
Let's also talk about the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people make decisions because anxiety is their decision maker. Fear is their decision maker. And if, if you're making decisions or living your life, whether it's your vacation to how you're living your career based on fear of missing out, fear of disappointing other people, fear of rejection, then you're not going to be enjoying those things. I don't care right. how how pretty of a dress you put on while you're doing your work or how, you know, cute your hair is when you're doing it, you are not happy and it shows. So um, I think that has to be like, how are you feeling when you're doing whatever you're doing? Well, and do you want your life to feel good to you or just look good to other people? That's good. So if you're stuck in perfectionism, how do you get out of it? Gosh, I think there are so many things to to do, to be honest with you. But I guess the most important thing is, is I, th- it does have to start with like self-love because I know the core suffering and perfectionism is the feeling that I'm not enough. Otherwise, right. you know, like I'm not going back to my example with, you know, motherhood, like feeling like I wasn't enough or I wasn't doing the right thing. It wasn't enough. So I think it has to start with knowing that you are enough. I do genuinely think that I am enough. I am good enough has to be the core, uh, core change. And then Mm -hmm. from there, I think there are other, obviously like kind of layers to build self-compassion and being kind and forgiving and patient with ourselves is, is so important. Noticing how we're feeling things and, um, you know, pursuing things that feels inspiring mm-hmm. and also pausing when something feels exhausting. Um, right. So you can go or you can stop. It depends on how you're feeling. And if something is filling up your cup, go for it. But if something is not filling up your cup, like you were just saying a minute ago, like don't do it for other people. So I mm-hmm. think knowing our feelings, listening to them, but also, you know, when Sometimes you have to do something, even if it feels scary. So right. uh, don't let emotions be the only dictator. Self-care and probably important to bring up like boundaries. Uh, yes. I think, I know that's one of the first things that you and I spoke via email is how much I know perfectionist, perfectionistic people or people with perfectionistic tendencies have really, really unhealthy boundaries. I mean, people pleasing and... Um, over-functioning in relationships and doing everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Even if it comes from that need for control, nonetheless, you're doing everything for everybody. So revisiting and obviously cleaning up some of those boundaries and relationship skills you have with people um, in order to keep perfectionism at bay. Because one of the things with perfectionism is the saying, like, I am how well I do something. Mm-hmm. And so we think the more I give and care for people around me, then again, I'm enough. Well, I, I think also having maybe a different kind of mentor or what I want to say, it's having someone that you look up to who isn't perfect, but has a pretty good life and kind of understanding a little bit more of how they do it. Because you might come to someone's house and feel like the dinner party was perfect but what you didn't know was that you're going to be served a different dish, but it got burned, but they, you know, did a quick fix and fixed something else. And you never knew, you never knew the nightmare that was in the kitchen and everything else was fine because it's just about solving the problem 
getting it done and enjoying life. It's not about how perfect it appears to other people because the people that we might think are the most perfect, you don't necessarily know their life. You don't necessarily know what challenges they're facing at work or personally or from their past. And just understanding that you can be relaxed and do enough. Mm -hmm. And if you have a dinner party and you end up serving hot dogs and burgers, you know what? People are there not for the food, but for the company. And that's what makes the more enjoyable life events is just the connection we have. But if you're trying to make it perfect, then you're not really connecting. And how much of that are you going to look back on and feel proud of other than your Pinterest board or your Instagram showing how perfect it was, but what were you doing and what were your feet you feeling? And were you kicking off your shoes and dancing with everybody or were you busy making the, you know, the dessert? It's just being in the moment. Yes, it is. It is about being in the moment and living life wholeheartedly and Mm -hmm. intentionally I think, yes, every moment we're in, there is an opportunity to practice this, right? Every moment we're in. And look, we're not going to be perfect about that too. There right. are, there has been moments in this conversation with you. I was trying to, you know, there were moments where I was fully present and listening to what you're saying. And there were moments where I was thinking, what am I going to say next? Or, or, or when is she going to shut up? <laughs> no, no, I was more like, come up with something smart to say because she sounds so smart. You know, that's what I know. <laughs> so I, you see, I think we got to be honest about that, that like, it's not about obviously like perfecting mindfulness. It's not about perfecting vulnerability. It's not about perfecting uh, honesty. And I, the other thing I wanted to say, like when you were sharing about that, you know, gathering and you might've burned something half an hour ago, here's the thing. I think sometimes people share their imperfections in an unhealthy way. For right. an example, uh, cause that scenario will happen for me. I am not good at cooking. I'm horrible actually. <laughs> and, uh, really, really, I'm really, really bad. Uh, my mom is always worried that my daughter is starving, which she's not obviously <laughs> just for the record, always worried. Um, but so I would be that person, really, I will be the person that, you know, having friends over and burn something, but able to fix it and make it look pretty. And everybody's complimenting me. And guess what I do? Because I have a hard time receiving compliments. Mm -hmm. I will shut that compliment down by telling you how I just messed up and burned something half an hour ago. So that is toxic vulnerability. And that's toxic embracing of imperfection. I am not talking about my imperfect moment because I am accepting that life happens. I'm doing this because I'm putting down a compliment. I'm getting shy. I don't want to, you know, like receive it versus I think healthier embracing of imperfection is saying, yeah, thank you. I put a lot of, you know, I put my heart and soul into this because (laughs) guess what happened half an hour ago. So I think it's first accepting that my table looks damn nice, you know, and this you know, the, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich I'm giving you is <laughs> it's delicious. It's delicious. That's <laughs> one you ever ate. Well, and that's just it. It's we're going to make mistakes. We are going to fail. And and it's going to be despite our best efforts. Mm-hmm. And so what? You know, at the end of the day, who is judging you? And if it's your family or your spouse or your significant other 
or friends, you might need to do a rethink and set some boundaries and, you know, double check their perfectness. But for the most part, people just love you and care for you and just want to see you happy. And it's not about what you're achieving or this, you know, perfect home you've created or this perfect meal or this perfect job or this perfect life or this perfect body. It's not anything like that. It's just they want to be with you as you, your most authentic self, you to be present. And if you think people can only love you if you're achieving stuff, oof, that's 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 not how it's supposed to go. And you know, help is out there. And I mean that sincerely. It's, it's, you are probably in a huge amount of pain and need to realize you deserve to feel good with who you are. Yes. And I think when you were saying about remembering that people want to be with you, you know, and that people want to connect with you, it's absolute truth. And yet, I think sometimes when we are, in a dark place or in an unhappy place, we have a really hard time comprehending that, hold on, so you just want to be with me, who mm-hmm. I am as I am. And I say this, like I, you know, I, I see this on a weekly basis, people really having a hard time connecting those two things that like, hold on, people really want to be with me for who I am. And like you were saying, like, if that's something really hard for you to just easily agree with and you're having a hard time like you know accepting that that's probably because of some previous life experiences Mm -hmm. and what I mean is family relationship and childhood that fail to let you know you are love lovable and you're worthy as you are and that people enjoy your company just for the way you are and that nicely cooked meal is just a cherry on top (laughs) right Um, and and so yeah I I wanted to acknowledge that like it was I think it was so beautiful what you said people want to be with you and connect with you and if that's something hard for you to you know if that making you tearful hearing this that's probably some more healing and self-love work you need to do and that's perfectly okay yes exactly well thank you so much for being here again Dr. Manije it's always a pleasure talking with you And I'm sure we'll get to do it again. We'll find another subject. Yes. Thank you again so much for having me. I feel like I found a new friend. Uh, Exactly. So it's been my pleasure again. This is just such a wonderful conversation. So thank you again for having me. Thank you. You can find Dr. Manije on her websites, embracing you therapy and perfectionismuniversity.com and on Instagram at dr.manije and that's M-E-N-I-J-E. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group, at rootedpg.com to get started on a brighter financial future. They're doing great things, so do check them out. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, become a patron on Patreon. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at SassyLittlePod or email me from the About page on the website. Until next time, take care.